Hello and welcome. You're listening to Leadership Playbook, a London Business School podcast exploring the latest thinking and key issues for leaders and those aspiring to lead. I'm Viola Rollins, Executive Director of the London Business School Leadership Institute. I'll be the host of a series of episodes of Leadership Playbook, focusing on various aspects of leadership. In today's podcast, we continue to explore the topical issue of sustainability leadership, doing so from the point of view of an organization identified as one of the most sustainable corporations on the planet. My guest today is Olivier Blum, Chief Strategy and Sustainability Officer at Schneider Electric, the French energy and tech company now seen as the world's most sustainable company on the Global 100 Index. The Global 100 Index is the annual Green Company League table compiled by researcher Corporate Knights, which ranks over 8,000 publicly listed companies generating annual revenues of over $1 billion to identify the most sustainable businesses. Schneider Electric is also a research company and has invested 10 billion euros in innovation and R&D for sustainable development between 2015 and 2025. Olivier, I'm delighted to have you as a guest. Thank you for joining. Hi, Vela. Thank you very much for having me. I feel certain our listeners will be excited to hear from someone fronting such an impressive sustainability shift within an organization. So first off, I know you've been with Schneider Electric for 28 years. So what is it that led you into the area of sustainability? I think Schneider Electric has really started to take a very strong commitment to what we used to call at that time, you know, corporate social responsibility 15 years ago as a company. And that has been really the starting point of many, many actions we've implemented in the company. And I'm sure we will come back on some of them later on. On a personal basis, I would say that I've started really to to touch a bit more the topic of sustainability when Schneider Electric has started to, to be committed really on diversity and inclusion. And at that time, I was working in Asia, so that was a topic that was really close to me. Later on, I had the opportunity to lead our operation in India, where the topic of access to energy from a sustainability standpoint was also a big topic. And I have also in my career, you know, the chance uh, as a business leader to have been in charge of uh, human resources at the company level. So I was the chief human resources officer of Schneider for a certain number of years, which really helped me to focus on the, the social topic. And lately, as you rightly said, I've been appointed as a head of strategy and sustainability, which means that at Schneider Electric, we combine the two dimensions as one to make sure it's very, very integrated in our, our strategy. So you can say that it's a topic which has been very, very close to me personally, but of course, very close to Schneider Electric as a company for more than 15 years now. That's great. And I can't not think that the roles that you've held in sales, in commercial functions, strategy, marketing, and HR help you take a more systemic or broader view to the topic of sustainability. Definitely. So you mentioned that 15 years ago, Schneider Electric started to focus on the issue of sustainability. Uh, Can you tell us a bit more about their journey? Yeah, sure. You have to know that Schneider Electric has many companies. You know, 30 years ago was a company which was mainly French and European. Then we we had the opportunity to to make a big strategic move in the U.S. But in parallel, we've been always investing in what we used to call the new economies. And I think very, very quickly, the previous CEO of Schneider Electric, and again, that has been translated in a major strategic move in 15, realized 
that you cannot develop sustainability a company everywhere in the world if you don't look at the ecosystem. So at the beginning, it did not take off as a kind of global approach that you will call ESG today, but it was more, look, if we want to develop our company sustainably in all those new economies, we have to spend more time to take care of the ecosystem around us. And, and at that time, it was called corporate social responsibility, which means that you try to develop your ecosystem, you try really to build some charitable action, you try to do more philanthropy, you try to train the people who don't have access to education. But that's the first time where we've created a strategy where we say there is a fourth stakeholder for the company. Of course, historically, we had customer, shareholder, and employee. But at the first time 15 years ago, when we say there is a fourth shareholder, which is a society in which we work. So that was a, the, really the takeoff for us of sustainability at Schneider, which, as you understand, was more a bottom-up approach coming from the different geographies in which we were operating versus a global approach, which is more the way we implement it today. So that was really the, the starting point of the story at Schneider. Fantastic. Now, I have noticed that, and I mentioned this a bit in my intro, that you were top of the Global 100 Index in 2021, but in 2020, you were ranked 29th. That's still a great positioning, but that's a that's a big jump. And I also know that you doubled your market value in the last two years to more than 70 billion. And I'm just curious, Olivier, what's happened in the past two years to, to create that jump? Well, first of all, again, on the ESG front, I think Schneider Electric has been always a very committed company. But probably what has changed and probably we have been better also to communicate and to explain to the market and in particular also to Corporate Night, is, you know, we are not only operating as a role model company that wants to have a sustainable impact in the way we lead our operation, but we want Schneider Electric product and solution to have a positive impact on the climate transition. That's basically the purpose and the mission of the company. And that's not new. We have re-engineered the strategy of the company. We have re-engineered the portfolio of the company to make sure that most of the product and solution will contribute to that climate transition. The difference compared to three, four years ago, we are not able to communicate that properly. But the strategic work we've done in depth three years ago was to look at the entire portfolio of Schneider Electric and to qualify it as green or not green. And three years ago, we started to put in place a new matrix which was really what we call the green revenues of Schneider. And actually, when we disclosed it for the first time, we said that 70% of our portfolio can be tagged as green revenue. So what does it mean, green revenue? It means it has a positive impact on the climate transition. So going towards this 1.5 trajectory that have been defined by the, the, the Paris Agreement, or activities that have a positive impact on the environment overall, take the topic of biodiversity or, 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 or water consumption. So probably when you are able to measure that and communicate in a better way, that helps you definitely to have a better recognition. For Corporate Night, it makes a big difference. They are evaluating on one side company who are role model in their own operation, but there is a big weight in their final ranking on what is the contribution of your product and solution on the environment. And in that specific case, for us, it was climate climate, biodiversity, and water. So this is what has been the biggest reason of our number one position in 2021. So, Olivier, given what you've said, is it fair to say that you've had to radically rethink your 
business model? Yes, absolutely. And that's a journey really that started for us uh, more than 10 years ago, where we said we are not going to position the company on generation, neither on consumption, but we want to be the company which is really the digital partner of our customer for sustainability and efficiency. Once you have said that, we have re-engineered again the strategy and the portfolio to make sure that most of our activity will help our customer at the end of the day to reduce their CO2 emission and to go through their decarbonization journey. Ten years ago, you cannot say the appetite from the market and from our customer was super high at that time, but we have seen a certain number of events in the past five, six years, which have clearly accelerated the focus of all our customers on this sustainability topic. Great. So, Olivier, what would you say is the internal or external event that really kicked off Schneider's sustainability journey? Yeah, sure. As I said, we've seen definitely an acceleration. And, and, and in the market for us, there were a couple of key events. First, uh, in, in 2002, we've decided to sign on the UN Global Compact and to be part of that movement. And since then, we have really uh, committed to, to follow all their biggest transformation and somewhere to be part of uh, those companies which are role model. And actually, our CEO, Jean-Pascal Tricot, is uh, one member of the board today. That has triggered internally a lot of key action to make sure we transform the company. But 15 years ago is really the time where, for the first time, we wrote a strategy, we translated in a, a three years plan that is translated also in certain number of action, metrics that we monitor on a quarterly basis and that we disclose to the market. So that has given really a very strong commitment and pace internally and externally in the way we drive that. And of course, I should mention 2015, which has been a super important external event, even if at that time it was not seen like that. But the fact that the Paris Agreement took off at that time as a very strong commitment from all the government on the climate transition, even if it was long, probably to become a reality, has been a very important event that has triggered a lot of change that we see today. And of course, at the same time, the United Nations have published the Sustainable Development Goals, which has also created a very strong momentum for all the companies to be committed on the topic of ESG. And as a result of that, we have seen clearly in the past two years, because it took probably three to four years, government and companies to realize what was the need for the future. But we clearly see a big shift in the market where all big companies in the world are now committed with a clear ESG strategy, a clear focus on climate, and same is with the government. Of course, we might discuss later, might not be seen as enough, but that's a big shift, at least compared to what it was before. Right, absolutely. Let me just pick up something that you've said about the concept of ESR and speak briefly about that. Um, I think it's fair to say that after the Paris Climate Agreement and also given uh, a number of factors that have been manifesting in the world over the past three years, there's been an explosion of ESR pledges from organizations across the world. So in terms of carbon neutral pledges, Amazon is aiming to be carbon neutral by 2040, uh, IKEA 2030, and Microsoft is aiming to be carbon negative by 2025. Can you give us an example of some of Schneider's strategic ESR pledges? Yeah, sure. And, and, and if we stay focused really on the topic of environment, definitely uh, uh, carbon is a very important part of it. 
at Schneider Electric, we plan really to be carbon neutral in our own operation by 2025, so which means still with offset. Without offset, we plan to be net zero in our own operation by 2030. And we plan, like Amazon said, uh, to be carbon neutral in our own end-to-end -end value chain by 2040. So all those kind of pledges are really excellent. I think that set up really a direction, a trajectory where you want to go. But at, at the end of the day, what is even more important, this is really the commitment you want to take in the next three years. And climate to go fast is one of the pillars of environment, but we are also taking commitment on biodiversity as well. For instance, at Schneider Electric, we plan to be with no net biodiversity loss in our direct operation by 2030. That's a commitment we've taken early this year because that's another dimension of environment which is very critical. So that's a good starting point for sure to have those pledges. Yeah, it is. And just for our listeners, uh, Olivier, can you give us Schneider's definition of biodiversity? Biodiversity is basically all the impact you can have on the nature because of your operation. And while climate is very well regulated where you start to have a lot of science behind it. In biodiversity, it's a bit recent, but we are using an external body that helps us to measure our biodiversity impact. So that's not something which is common in all industrial of companies, but it's coming soon. And I'm sure like we have the science-based target in climate, we will have soon the same referential in biodiversity, which is basically your negative impact on the nature. And that's a great news to have more and more external referential and benchmark also for biodiversity. Thank you. So in terms of your ESR pledges, quite impressive. But I think it's fair to say to achieve that and building on some of the things that you said earlier, it's going to take a, a great deal of stakeholder engagement to pull that off. How, how are your customers responding to your aspirations around ESR? Well, I would tell you more than um, responding, our customers by and large are also changing a lot. So, of course, they do appreciate to work with a company which has been role model in sustainability for more than 15 years. They, they know it and they're happy with it. But I think on their side, what they want is also to transform their operation. So on one side, sometimes they get inspiration by what we do and we discuss and we share. On the other side, for our large customer, for instance, like Schneider Electric, they need to have an ESG strategy. They need to define their own trajectory. And for that, they need a lot of support. And we have actually, over time at Schneider Electric, created a dedicated consulting activity to help our large customer to manage their climate transition and again, to be able to execute their carbon pledge. We have customers, therefore, who are more and more demanding also to buy product with green component, you know, green plastic, recycled packaging, for instance, it's very, very important. They want to understand more and more the footprint of your product. You mentioned customer, but we work also with our own supplier and our supplier asking really also to move that in that direction. So the good news is it's not only what we do at Schneider, but it's the entire ecosystem, which is made of customers, of supplier and investor, which is also moving in the same direction. And this is really a great news. Super. Fantastic. I want to take this opportunity to just step back for a moment and get your thoughts on the, I guess, the more strategic issue of stakeholder relations. What role do you feel you play in terms of helping manage and engage Schneider's 
wider stakeholder system around what you're doing? Sure. You know, I have a unique chance at Schneider because, as I said at the beginning, my position is to be in charge of strategy and sustainability. And sustainability, there is two dimensions. There is our own ESG strategy, what we do for our own operation, but also a division, which is a business division that helps our customers to go through their own decarbonization journey. So when you are in this kind of unique position at the executive committee level of Schneider, that gives you really the possibility, one, to have a full integration of sustainability inside your business strategy, which is not the case in all the company, point number one. Point number two, the fact that you are at the executive committee level that helps you to incorporate those sustainability dimensions early on in their own strategic process. So let me give you an example. If I want really to stretch Schneider on a social pillar, which is related, for instance, to diversity and inclusion, very early on, I'm going to discuss with our chief human resource officer. Same if I want to do something with our own supplier, I'm going to discuss with our chief supply and officer. And the more you are able really to embark those sustainability dimensions in the different business strategy of the company, bigger is the chance that you will have to transform the company eventually. So again, on one side, that gives me the unique opportunity to embed those strategic transformation in our business strategy at Schneider and at the same time to have a direct access to your colleagues at the executive committee to make sure that you can have really a constructive discussion on how you can maximize your positive impact, reduce your negative impact. And we have the chance at Schneider Electric to have that since many years. So with the support on top of that of the CEO and the board of Schneider, that gives you a unique position definitely to drive sustainability at the core of your business strategy. Yes, and I'm I'm glad that you mentioned the board because I have a question I want to pose to you around that. But before I go there, I'm curious to know if you have any thoughts or can share any strategies that you've used to engage investors. I'm conscious, not in terms of Schneider, but another organization recently, an activist investor was able to push the shareholders to support the nomination of two individuals with ESG backgrounds to the the board. And in fact, it was was Exxon Mobil. Is it your sense that uh, we'll see an increase of those type of activities? Well, actually, it's not even a question of the future. It's a question of the present. The investors are already very much focused on the topic of ESG and sustainability. At Schneider, I would say we don't have the same type of problem because, again, the company profile that we have and what we have demonstrated in the past year shows that Schneider Electric has been committed for many, many years. So that's not new. You have to know, for instance, that in Europe, we are the most invested company by ESG fund. So we have the number one company in Europe that is invested by ESG fund. So our records shows that we have been already committed. Now, definitely, as you rightly said, we see investors being more and more engaged and committed to the topic. I am facing, for instance, myself, investor this week, like probably almost every week in my job, I face investors who have a lot of questions on our strategy, and that's great because we are challenged, we are put on the grill, and they are trying to distinguish those companies who are really committed and delivering results versus those who are probably still more at the, what I would call maybe the greenwashing uh, stage. So this huge focus on investor is great. And for me, that just reinforces 
the need for corporates to do even more in that field. But at Schneider Electric, it has not changed probably too much the way we are looking at the topic because it was already strongly embedded in our strategy five, 10 years ago already. Okay, so let me go to the question of the board. What would you say is the board's role in the sustainability conversation at Schneider? Look, for me, they have a very important role, and I will share my view, and then I can speak a bit more about Schneider. But usually, boards are really pushing the management of a company to have a very clear vision and long-term strategy. And secondly, they want those companies to deliver results. And when you are in a listed company like Schneider Electric, of course, shareholders are very much interested by short-term financial results. And the job of the board is to make sure you satisfy your shareholders. In the case of Schneider Electric, since we as a management, starting from our CEO and the executive committee of Schneider Electric, have been very committed to that topic, actually, we proactively, more than uh, 10 years ago, decided to create a subcommittee of the board, which is focused on sustainability. So we asked the board to create a dedicated committee with whom every year we will review our own strategy, commitment, and results. So we have created, if you want, a constructive environment with the board for 10 years, where sustainability is not a constraint, it's not a pain, but it's a competitive advantage that we should build over here. And actually, the board has been extremely supportive, and we came on a regular basis with new strategy, with new action. So for us, it has created a very strong momentum with the board. And, and you know, at the end of the day, when you are faced with shareholders, it's a balance between do you have the right long-term strategy and do you deliver the right financial outcome in the short term? And I think the board has been a very strong business partner for us to have a very good trade-off between the short term and the mid-term. So that's what I would uh, qualify probably as uh, what we should expect from a board for any kind of company. So the question I have for you, Olivier, is do you feel your sustainability and financial results are connected? The answer is yes. Um, the answer is yes, absolutely. Because again, if you take different dimension that will sustain my answer. Number one, when, when I told you that we are the most invested company in Europe by ESG fund, when you have sustainability at the core of your strategy and you deliver results, you attract financial investor. Point number one. Point number two, your customers are looking to work with companies which are sustainable, which are providing solutions to them that will help them to go through their decarbonization journey. We provide that Schneider Electric solution that help you to save up to 30% of your energy consumption in the building. So it's a direct saving in CO2 emission and so on and so forth. So the case is demonstrated with investors. It is demonstrated with customers. And your suppliers actually are more and more interested to work with a leading company in, in, in that field. So we have seen at Schneider Electric definitely a strong acceleration of our performance in the past three years. To be fair and transparent, it might not have been the case 10 years ago, where it was still difficult to convince customers, market, investors, that sustainability was a very, very important factor that should be embedded in your strategy and your DNA. But I would say the acceleration of our performance, financial performance here, I'm talking about, of course, in the past three years, is definitely correlated to the very strong positioning of Schneider Electric in the sustainability domain. And again, with two really uh, approach to it, the way you want to be a role model in your own operation, but also the way you can help your customer to go through their own climate transition. Yeah, absolutely. And 
just picking up on that, Olivier, it sounds as if you've seen that this is not about pushing things onto customers, but collaborating with them almost in an educational process. Um, is that fair to say? And if so, I'm curious to know if you can share maybe one or two things that come to mind that you have used to help educate customers in regard to what you're aspiring to do. You're absolutely right. And I like to say, for instance, the podcast we are doing together is a good example. I think when it comes to sustainability, you know, for us at Schneider, we consider it's a marathon, like without a finishing line. What I'm just trying to say is we don't know how the future will look like, but what we know is all of us as corporation, we have to stretch ourselves, we have to raise the bar to come when it comes to sustainability, we have to invent the future of sustainability. And we might have part of the solution at Schneider, but the solution might be with our customer, with our supplier, with some competitors, with some other company. And I do spend a lot of time myself, not only to share what we are doing at Schneider, but to learn from the others. And I think we have to create an ecosystem where all key actors, government, companies, and all different stakeholders will have the same objective, which is to have a stronger positive impact for the future. And when it comes to customer, for sure, it's very, very important because they buy your solution. So it's important to involve them in your innovation cycle, to get their feedback on what do they need to be more sustainable for their own business. So for instance, to answer more specifically your question, embarking your customer early enough in your innovation process is super important to understand how you can make them more sustainable. That's one example. Second example, they want to have product, again, which are greener and greener. They want to understand what is the footprint of your own product. So it's very important to understand which kind of data they need really to help them to make the right decision for uh, their own uh, consumption in the future. And so again, I'm answering your question with example on customer, but I would extend it to all your stakeholders. I think creating an ecosystem where all stakeholders have the same ambition and they speak more together, they share more together, and we learn from each other, I think that will be definitely, for me, a, a success factor for, for, for the future. And we do not have much that kind of practice five years ago, but we see more and more sharing, which is a good news for me. Absolutely. And I agree with that 200%. It's an ecosystem issue. It's not a binary issue that you can just deal with one stakeholder and feel that uh, things are going to progress. So thank you for showing that. So Olivier, what would you say to those organizations who are still asking themselves can sustainability ever be a success factor for my business? Or, you know, questioning if sustainability can give them a hands up in terms of delivering better results. So I don't think, you know, you can consider the future of your company without incorporating sustainability. I, I always say, you know, that we consider at Schneider that sustainability is your passport to operate in the future. When we see the way the society is evolving, when we see the aspiration for the different people everywhere in the world, when we see the need really to fix the problem of climate trajectory that we are all building for, for the future and so on and so forth, I strongly believe that sustainability has to be deeply incorporated in your strategy. It cannot anymore be like corporate social responsibility, you know, 15 years ago or 10 years ago when it was living in a parallel universe. It has to be 
very deep inside your core strategy, making sure you embark all your stakeholders. And there is one very important stakeholder that we did not speak too much about today, which are your employees. Your employees, they want to work for a company which have a positive impact in the future. They want to contribute to your sustainability journey. So for all those reasons, I strongly believe that it's really your passport to operate in the future and therefore a topic that has been core inside your strategy. I'd absolutely agree with you on that. I think it's often underestimated how a true commitment to sustainability can be a way you can acquire and retain top talent in an organization. I could talk to you for another hour about this topic, but if our listeners have been inspired and motivated by this conversation and the things that you've shared, what is the first step they should take to start off their journey to become a sustainability leader? First of all, I think it's important to have a direction, to have a strategy. Like you have a, a people strategy, a supply chain strategy, a business strategy, you need to have a sustainability strategy. Now, what is unique with sustainability strategy, it's transversal to the company. It cuts across all the dimension of your company, supply chain, people, R&D, and so on and so forth. So it's very, very important to build a strategy that have been discussed with the different leaders of the different functions to make sure that at the end of the day, it's fully integrated in their next strategic uh, priority. The second thing that I would say, ESG reporting, sustainability reporting is getting bigger and bigger. All companies have started to put in place metrics. They want to comply with a certain number of ESG disclosure, and that's great. But I would just put a caveat here. Those ESG reporting for me are more a reflection of the past. I think it's super important to do it. This is a starting point for any company who have not been focused much on sustainability in the past. But as I said several times in the podcast today, sustainability is like a marathon, you know, without a finishing line. So it's not about solving the problem of the past. It's about anticipating how the planet will look like in the future. What are the social inspiration of your people everywhere in the world? So while it's important to comply with a certain number of ESG reporting of, the, of today, it's also important to always put your organization in a very, very progressive mindset, which is to look always about the future. What can I do to reduce my negative impact? What can I do to maximize my positive impact? So again, in a short version, strategic alignment, number one, is very, very important. And DNA mindset to be very, very progressive when it comes to this topic of sustainability, to try always to maximize your positive impact. Super. Some very rich and, and practical thoughts to, to end on. Thank you again, Olivier, for making the time to speak with me for this episode. I found it uh, not only enlightening, but timely, given what's going on in the world today. Thank you very much, Vaila. It was really, really inspiring for me to be with you today, and I hope it will be useful for all our listeners. Thank you. You've been listening to Leadership Playbook, a London Business School podcast. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to the podcast. Just search London Business School in your podcasting app of choice. To receive a curated selection of articles, podcasts, and films directed to your inbox each fortnight, subscribe to Think at London Business School the place to go for thought leadership and business insights from London Business School's faculty and alumni. Just tap the link in the show notes. And also, don't forget to check out the activities and thought leadership pieces from the London Business School Leadership Institute. 
Links to our website can also be found in the show notes below. 